As hilarious as that music may sound, it is not how I want to kick off my podcast. Welcome to the Michael Aldred Comedy Podcast. It's going to be so much fun where he makes humor of himself and the many things in New York City. Oh, and by the way, this is not the voice of Bruno. Welcome. Welcome back to the Michael Oldroyd Comedy Podcast, the eponymous podcast of Michael Oldroyd. I don't know if you guys know what eponymous means, but that's how I was recently introduced to the stage by one of my friends, Joe Schaefer. He's been a guest on the uh, on a past episode. Very funny humorist um, that I don't need to tell you guys about, because if you listen to the episode with him, you can hear his wonderful impersonations, but he said, you guys have seen him on the eponymous podcast, the Michael Oldroyd Comedy Podcast, and I was like, wow, that's a big word. I got on stage, and I felt a little bit confused. I was like, wow, that what does that mean? What does eponymous mean? And I, it threw me off my set, and I did terrible. No, it was uh, it was fun. We had we had some good banter before and after my uh, set there, um, and it was a good time. I'm thinking about changing the name of the podcast to the LOL Droid Podcast. Um, it might be more encompassing to people who don't know me, and you know it might be more alluring, right? Because when you see Michael Oldroyd Comedy Podcast, you're like, who in the heaven is that? But the LOL Droid podcast, it's shorter, it's sweeter, it's intriguing, it's going to make you horny, I don't know, you know. Um, and it's consistent with uh, what I've got going on. The entertainment company that I've had in the works, LOL Droid Entertainment, and then with the comedy show that I've started recently, a monthly show called LOL Droid Presents which is a monthly show where I've got, I can run the show how I want. You know, I've got comedians uh, usually going on. Um, if I want to headline the set, which I did this last Monday for the first one, uh, or host. Either way, it's, uh, it's a great opportunity to get other people opportunities. Uh, it's just an opportunity for opportunities uh, to give myself opportunities, to give me more stage time, to give, you know, really spread it around, makes my market demand go up in the world of New York comedy, or comedy in general, right? Because um, New York is, New York and L.A. are the biggest markets, and New York is probably the biggest market for stand-up, um, depending on how you define it. L.A. is big for movies. All right, you guys glad to have that comedy fun, uh, fun right at the top? Um, yeah, the show Monday was a lot of fun. It was at the Lantern Greenwich Village. You guys got to come out, um, check out future shows. We had a full house. Appreciate all the support of the people who came out. Had a great lineup of comics. You know, we had, uh, I'll mention a couple of their names. Joe Schaefer, who I did, he was great. Always good with the impressions. Andrea Jones Roy, very funny. She helped me manage the show. She did a great job. Rob Stocky, a big regular at the Lantern Comedy Club there. He's a dude from Canada. Um, he opened the show uh, with some great energy, and I appreciated it. I gave him a hand job afterwards because I didn't have any money to give him as a thank you for opening the show great. And by hand job, I mean a high five, you know, because I, uh, I don't do that. Um, we had Katie Barbaro um, do a set. She was very funny. Um, beautiful face. The crowd appreciated her humor and her beauty. Uh, we had Gus Tate do a set. He was great. Um, and then we had Phil Duckett go on before me. He was the feature. Awesome. He's uh, 
the winner of the New York Comedy Club competition um, within the last few months, and he's really gotten a lot of great opportunities, well-deserved, very funny fella. Uh, he just uh, did a weekend in Atlantic City. Um, I heard it was really good. Um, check out Phil Duckett, very funny chap. And then uh, our host was Chris Hamilton, Hamilton, very talented fella. Um, it was just a great night. I got to do, uh, well, I chose to do 30 minutes of material at the end of the show. So that's the most time I've been on stage uh, in a comedy club or venue since I can remember. If I'm not mistaken, since my um, recording of you guys going out tonight back in 2014 in Kansas City. Uh, 70, I was on stage for 70 minutes that night, 7-0, um, so I was wor working my way back up to 30, uh, it was good, you know, it, it was, I think the, the most time I had done recently before that was like 15 to 20 minutes, and, uh, obviously going to 30 is a big jump, uh, so I was able to recycle some old humor mixed in with new, some of my best old jokes that a lot of the my friends hadn't heard yet, right? Because I haven't really used some of my older stuff. Um, I've really kind of developed an entirely new set since I moved to New York uh, and been working on new stuff. So it's good to kind of get it in where it fits in, right? Uh, get in some old, good old, uh, older jokes. Uh, you know, you got to recycle. Speaking of recycling, I'm going to take a sip of my Gatorade here. It's a nice uh, plastic apparatus. I'm recording this episode live on Periscope, uh, right out of the closet of myself. I'm wearing my, uh, for those Periscope viewers, I got my Team USA, my Team USA, to 2016 Rio de Janeiro Olympics official dry fit t-shirt. Pretty awesome looking, what can I say, you know? Not trying to brag here. Speaking of that, the Olympics just finished. I don't know if you guys have been watching. Uh, hopefully we did good. Uh, I, I saw a medal count. I think uh, the U.S. was like in fourth or fifth place of total medals this year. Um, you know, solid. I give it up for those uh, who uh, tore it up at the Olympics, regardless of the country you're from. I apologize for not watching more. Uh, I've been so busy doing comedy that, uh, you know, all I know is I was watching the Olympics the other night and I saw that uh, the women's 800 meter was on. I was like, since when did indoor track become part of the Winter Olympics? I got excited for a second and then I realized it was not the Winter Olympics and I, uh, I was relieved that I no longer run track because uh, I would have been jealous, uh, you know, that uh, that wouldn't have been an opportunity for me. I don't know if you guys knew this, but I was a, a track artist. Uh, I ran track uh, for a year at Mizzou. Uh, I was a walk-on 800-meter runner, actually. Uh, ran some indoor, ran the 600 indoor. That's how I got my Letterman uh, jacket at Mizzou, actually. was my freshman year. I beat a, uh, a dude at KU at this, uh, at this track meet, this indoor track meet. Um, uh, I beat him out in the 600-meter dash right there at the finish line. Uh, and that specific event, or that specific uh, track meet, if you beat out a Kansas Jayhawk in order to push him out of a scoring position, you automatically are awarded a, a varsity letterman jacket. So I did that. Let's give it up for me. <laughs> um, you know, 
Anywho, uh, definitely had fun this last week. It's been a big comedy week. Um, you know, it's funny. You start your own show, um, or at least uh, with starting this show, I feel like my New York stock value has increased amongst the comedy community. I'm getting all these random fr friend requests now on Facebook from other comedians, people that I don't even know. So I look forward to that nightmare. No, it's it's awesome. Um I look forward to the abundance of messages of people saying, "Hey, Mike, can I get on your show sometime?" Um, but that's that's the good. It's good to create a little bit of market demand. You know, get a couple poker chips to play the scene. You know, get a little bit of quid pro quo action going. Hey, man, you want to put me in your set? All right, awesome. You want to do mine sometime? Fantastic. You know, we'll scratch each other's backs. We'll we'll scratch each other's comedy backs. All right. It's like I got a comedy boob job, guys. You know, I'm just much more attractive now to the uh, to the scene. Um, what else did I do in comedy this week? Uh, so aside from stand up Tuesday night after the Monday, after the Monday night show, we did a Tuesday. Oh, and thanks for the support for those of you who came out guys like Brian Kelly, Jude Castro, go M I Z. He's screaming M I Z from the audience. People there were like, if they're not from Mizzou, I'm sure they were like, what, what does that mean? Um, but very helpful to have the support. I had, uh, people come from my improv group my ucb aff affiliations come to support which i much appreciated shout out to clickbait um that's the name of our ucb improv group if you guys want to check it out clickbait um but tuesday went to check out herald night at ucb i uh, saw a couple shows uh the 9 30 show i think one of the groups was fluffy they do two heralds uh per show on herald night uh, and Herald Night, for those of you who don't know, it's a it's the it's a long form improv structure that uh, UCB teaches and and does um, as its showcased form of improv comedy that was brought to New York. Originally started by Del Close uh, and kind of founded at the Second City I/O scene in Chicago, um, and then uh, Amy Poehler. Uh, and, and some others brought it to New York um, not long ago. So UCB is one of the newer schools that, that uh, teaches that theory uh, and that, that structure and that form. It's called the Herald. For those of you who aren't familiar, feel free to Google it um, or take a class. I don't know. Uh, whatever you want to do. But that show, 9.30 show, Tuesday night, was absolutely hilarious. Uh, just You can really see the the skills that people possess who've been doing it for a long time and that are very talented it's just it, it's seamless and it, i was almost crying at the new ucb theater there in hell's kitchen where i got to perform for my 301 uh class show but um it's a cool theater you know it's like really professional they're up in heaven's kitchen um you know the lighting is amazing it's like it's it's a legit legit theater uh, and uh, it was cool getting to perform there in December. Uh, you know, I think it'd be cool to put a show, maybe put on a show there. Maybe I'll do a one-man show at the UCB Theater at some point, you know? Kind of like uh, Mike Tyson's one-man show on HBO. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's hilarious. And I think it's actually funnier than a lot of comedy shows that I've, comedy stand-up specials that I've seen on Netflix. So check out the Mike Tyson HBO one-man show. Very funny stuff. Um, and then Wednesday night I had improv practice. Um, Thursday night I had a chick over, 
and I did comedy for her. I did an hour of material. And then I'll let you guys guess what happened after that. No. Um, very cool stuff. Uh, girl that I met on OKCupid. She, uh, she loves comedy. I think she wants to try it. Uh, I did not utilize my position of power like Louis C.K. to do anything she didn't want. I made sure that whatever was done, including comedy, it was truly... Uh, I had affirmative consent. Uh, I'm not making any... I'm not making light of the situation or making fun of it. I'm actually being very honest. I had affirmative consent that I could do an hour of material for her. An hour of jokes. I don't remember how long I did comedy, but I have a microphone at my apartment and an amp. Uh, and a microphone stand, so I practice and do shows for my friends or any any guests that I have all the time. It's it's tremendous, uh, and it's much easier for me to do that than uh, do an open mic and get three minutes of stage time. I mean, why not create my stage time in my apartment? You know, kill and and pet two uh, birds with the same feather, or feed two feed two birds with the same seed because I love animals and I don't kill birds. I don't kill two birds with the same stone. That's atrocious. I. I feed two birds with the same seed. Um, speaking of that, I still need to get down in the New York subways and create some stage time for myself with my buddy Brian Patrick Kelly. We've been talking about it a while. He's in Colorado this week. Shout out to BK. We gave him a new nickname. Um, his nickname is uh, Butterfly Kink B. Uh, we found that by rearranging the letters of his name because he liked to. Uh, the rearranging of the letters, uh, like LOL Droid, right? Michael Oldroid is just the last several letters of my name. Uh, we found out that when we rearranged Brian Kelly's letters, we've got Butterfly Kink B. So I don't know if you're jealous, guys, but uh, that's his new nickname. Uh, I think it's pretty awesome to, to incorporate being horny along with the cycle of life via a butterfly. You know, butterflies are dank. What can we say? Uh, we're each other's Sams. Brian Kelly is my Sam from Lord of the Rings, and 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 I'm his when it comes to helping him create a nickname. You know, he's he's the Sam for me on my comedy journey right now. I've had a lot of Sams over the course of time, but usually my Sams end up finding a girl and getting married. So until Brian Kelly uh, meets the love of his life, he is my current Sam. Uh, don't get married too soon, Brian. Huh? Do me a favor and don't uh, don't get married too soon. And when you do, just let me know so that I can you know take all your old leads and put them in my spreadsheet. Take all your uh, females that are no longer prospects for you, and maybe I can hang out with them. You know, it's my turn to take uh, take a turn or what? All right. Um, I have a joke about that which he uh, seemed to chortle at during my show. Um, what else happened? So Friday night I had practice with my improv group. That was a lot of fun. And then um, went to see the Black Panther, which I'm going to talk about later in this show. I love the movie. I'll tell you that much. Um, so foreshadowing for later in the show. Black Panther was awesome. Great practice with our clickbait squad before. And we had a good uh, substitute teacher come in and really talk about some different principles of improv. And what game is in a scene and separating premises from game and how to we really practice on framing game and then making game moves for those of you that don't do improv you're like what in the heaven is michael talking about i'm gonna leave it mysterious that that one's just for the people that that's that that little bit right there is just for the comedians specifically improv comedians or sketch writers you know sketch writers uh that that's very intertwined with uh 
with writing sketches. Improv and um, improv and sketch actually go together like ramalamalama, kadinga, da ding, da dong. I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, how they tie together, but a lot of in the past, I think Del Close and his team, or at least a lot, Second City uh, and IO people would actually do improv so that they could come up with ideas for sketches because sketches are so hard to just like think of out of thin air. Um, a little tidbit right there, a little secret for you guys. Uh, I'm going to go around just watching improv shows and stealing people's ideas and writing sketches. Huh? Is that is that okay or is that... Nah, people would hate me. Uh, you got to come up with your own ideas. All right? Awesome. All right. Um, what else happened? Uh, Saturday night, what I'd do for comedy, which was last night. Uh, stopped by the New York Comedy Club for a little bit. Stopped by Old Man Hustle. Saw, you know, Old Man Hustle. Some of my friends were performing there. Melissa Diaz, Rachel Joan. Phil Duckett was supposed to be headlining, if I'm not mistaken, but he didn't show up last night. What the heaven, Phil? I saw on Facebook that you were uh, hanging out with your favorite porn star. You're going to have to tell me about that, Phil, next time we talk, even though you may never listen to this episode. And it's weird that I'm talking to you one-on-one, -on -one, but I like that. I like talking to people one-on-one -on, -one on my podcast because you never know if they'll listen. That's the thing about this thing is it's like my uh, my soul that I put into uh, my podcast archives that can be um, tapped into at any point in time as long as uh, the universe allows them to be tapped into, if that makes sense. And by universe, I mean... Uh, Blueberry. Blueberry is the uh, the company that runs this. Right now you can download my podcast on Blueberry or iTunes. And there's so many platforms. I really should take advantage of that and get it on more platforms. Right now, I'm, you know, Periscope is one option too, right? Because I put some of my episodes on Periscope. But anyway, you guys are probably bored by all this BS and me actually taking you through day by day for my week. What else did I do for comedy, though? I think you guys... It's, it's the Michael Oldroyd eponymous comedy podcast. You probably want to know every once in a while what I do on a week to week. So I'm just breaking it down for you this week. You're welcome. We're welcome because I'm doing it for me, too. Well, I'm not necessarily... Yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not. But you are certainly welcome. I don't know. Uh, you know, I did some outreach this week for some comedy clubs. I organized some stuff in my Excel spreadsheets for the, the, the 2018 comedy festivals... You know, the comedy clubs around the country, um, you know, put some stuff in spreadsheets. I want to try to do some comedy festivals this year, get more bookings, not just in New York, but outside the city. Um, maybe some Northeast Coast type stuff, you know, Boston, you know, Philly, Baltimore, you know, whatever, New Jersey, Atlantic City. Uh, just trying to spread out, you know, trying to stretch my comedy wings. Um... But yeah, I heard back from uh, LOL in Times Square, so I might be getting to get some opportunities or an opportunity at LOL there in Times Square. It's called LOL Comedy Club, which is kind of cool because LOL Comedy is in my name, so maybe it's appropriate that I uh, do some comedy there, right? Um, that's true, LOL Droid, LOL Comedy. Um, these are all things in my name. Holy LOL. <laughs> it's in my name. That's why uh, Michelangelo might be jealous that I'm the divine humorist. Alrighty then. Um, yeah. One of, the one of the comedy festivals that I think would be really cool to go to is uh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. That's where my friend um, 
one of my friends uh, put on her one-man show last year. It's called, like, Blood from a Cheap Cigar. Uh, Genevieve Joy, you might have seen her in Mother's Day. She had a specific part in that movie just playing herself, which is really cool. The, the producer, casting director um, liked her and wanted to give her an opportunity to kind of showcase herself. So that was awesome. You guys have probably maybe have seen my post about her. Uh, went to see that movie with my mom on Mother's Day. So that was pretty cool getting to getting to participate in that. Uh, but she said that Edinburgh was awesome. I've been there once, but the, the festival itself was awesome. And I'd like to do some stand-up there, you know, maybe go to Edinburgh for a couple of weeks and do some stand-up. Stand I'm part Scottish, right? My ancestor supplied 50% of William Wallace's cavalry. Um, I don't know whether or not that's true, but I am part Scottish. Uh, am I related to Bill Wallace? I don't know, but I do have some ancestors that are from the same city that his monument is at I forget what it's called but we visited that town we saw the William Wallace uh, statue and it is literally it is so badass um, my ancestors that I'm aware of that are from that town are uh, only from a couple hundred years ago you know William Wallace uh, was at the time of my uh, unfortunate the king that I told you that I'm a descendant of I think it's King Henry the I don't even remember but it's the one that was uh, ruling London the British Empire, uh, while William Wallace was alive, so who knows what my my other side of the family was doing? We're all connected, guys, is what I'm trying to say. All the way back to Africa, which we're going to talk about when we talk about uh, um, the Black Panther. Uh, for those of you that uh, didn't listen last week, yes, I, I admitted that I am from a, a royal bloodline um, that traces back to. Uh, What's his face? The guy that uh, I don't even know his name because I like William Wallace more, you know. But it was the king that was presiding over the king, the the English Empire, King Henry VIII, I believe it was. Anywho, um, I was in Scotland with my buddy Chris John Blackerby a couple years ago. Uh, it was so cool, you know. Got to uh, see where J.K. Rowling wrote a lot of um, the pages of the books in the Harry Potter series. Saw where she lived, saw the coffee shop that she spent a lot of time at, saw the graveyard where she got a lot of inspiration for different characters like Voldemort. There's a there's a guy's grave that's actually she had a balcony that overlooked the graveyard, as creepy as that sounds. Supposedly that graveyard is haunted. They have like uh, these um, haunted tours at night and whatnot, and they also have like all these Harry Potter tours. But there's a, a grave called Tom Riddle. Um, or there was a guy who lived that is buried in that graveyard, and his name is Tom Riddle. Uh, Tom Riddle, if you don't um, remember, I forget what his middle name is, but when you rearrange all the letters of his name is I am Lord Voldemort. Um, I like to think that when you rearrange the letters of my name, I'm the opposite of Lord Voldemort. I am um, Comedy Lord. Holy LOL, right? So hopefully uh, it's the inverse there. I, I like to think, Voldemort, you guys don't need to get nervous. Uh, I don't see a parallel. I'm like, uh, you know how uh, Harry Potter is connected to Voldemort in a way? I guess I am in a way, but I'm on the Harry Potter side. You know, people aren't afraid of me. People were always afraid of uh, Lord Voldemort, so that's a, that's, that's a sign there that I'm on the, the right side, guys. Um, 
you know, Dumbledore told uh, Tom Riddle as a young child that fear is not tolerated here at Hogwarts because from an early age, uh, Tom Riddle was um, manipulating people through fear, uh, including, you know, and, and, and Dumbledore didn't allow that fear to, to phase him. In fact, I like to think I am Dumbledore. Um, a lady, uh, one of my one of my lady friends actually gave me a, a wand from Harry Potter World. It was a gift. I didn't even ask. Uh, she brought me back uh, the Elder Wand, which is the most powerful wand in the universe. I know you guys are jealous, um, but it is the 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 wand that both Voldemort and Dumbledore held, and that uh, Harry Potter used. Or actually. I forget how it went down, but uh, nevertheless, uh, it was a gift. Apparently, it's not really my one unless I unless I defeat it in a duel. Somebody told me so. Ah, shucks, you know. Um, if it if it was or is my wand, I would use it to deliver love to the entire world rather than fear. So, I can tell you that I'd cast a love spell on everybody rather than Voldemort's. Uh, Avadra, Kadavra, whatever that spell is where he kills people. Um, you know what? I would wish love upon Voldemort as well. Um, I got my Hufflepuff shirt. I'm a Hufflepuff. You guys ever taken the J.K. Rowling test to see which house you're in? Uh, I'm actually a, a Hufflepuff. I was a little bit disappointed at first. Everybody wants to be a Gryffindor, but guess what? Gryffindor is cool, but you gotta own up. You gotta own up to the house you're in, you know? I tried twice, I met, I, I got Hufflepuff both times. The difference between uh, Gryffindor and Hufflepuff is Gryffindor's defining trait is bravery. That's, that's what stands out, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're a good-hearted person. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're the most skilled or whatever. It's simply defined by um, bravery. However, any of the other houses, it doesn't mean that you're not brave. It means that that's not necessarily your defining trait. Um, Hufflepuffs are defined by being loyal, um, by being just, and by being very hardworking, which is true. Uh, my loyalty, in some ways, has been a, not a weakness, but it's it's hurt me. My loyalty has... Um, in, in some ways, and it's also been a, a strength, uh, l much like my empathy. Um, some people would consider it a strength, um, and it's hurt me in a lot of ways. It's hurt my heart, you know? Coach Williams, like I talked about last week, the coach uh, in my high school class that uh, used to let me practice my uh, uh, stand-up comedy in ninth grade, told me that someday my heart will be broken very badly and I'll be hurt. Uh, he could tell by my personality because I'm such a trusting and caring person. Um, anyway, though, God bless you, Coach Williams, and I appreciate the foreshadowing because you were right. Uh, I've had my heart ripped out of my chest, stomped on, and then I had to pick it back up off the ground and put it in my chest and, you know, sew it back together or something. Uh, a couple times, actually. You know, somebody sliced it back open, ripped it out, stomped on it again. Yeah, that's how we do. That's how you get tough. All right, awesome, moving on. Um, but yeah, Hufflepuff, you know, I got my Hufflepuff. Um, um, hardworking, absolutely, just. Oh, the, the, the here's the thing, to make you guys less nervous, right? So talk about the connections between Voldemort and Harry. Um, 
one of the things that is completely the opposite of me and Voldemort is that uh, I had the thought it's um well our hearts are completely opposite um, but um, what in the heaven was I gonna say loyal just hard-working um, the thought is escaping me guys I had a I had a thought about that. Anyway, I'm gonna move on for now. Maybe it'll come back to me. Um, Edinburgh, cool, one of the coolest cities I've ever been to in my life. You know, they got a castle at the top of the town. Um, they talked about William Wallace. We went on a tour. Uh, we went on a tour there. Just all these little nooks and crannies. I talked to a little bit about it. Uh, in the city of Venice uh, last week or the week before, uh, Edinburgh has all these like alleyways, right? I can see so much of the Harry Potter influence from Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, when you go there, it feels like Edinburgh. I could live there at some point. It, it was literally the coolest city I think I've ever been to. Uh, Venice was awesome too, but I don't know. I, I've been to a, a couple, a lot of cool cities. Um, Nevertheless, though, oh, uh, I remember the, the Voldemort thing. Yeah, uh, Slytherin House doesn't, if you're Slytherin, you're not evil, guys, so don't be nervous. I know a couple people that got chosen Slytherin. Um, you know, like, one of the best uh, people was from Slytherin, was able to defeat Voldemort because of that. It was the professor of dark arts, the guy who loved uh, Lily Potter. I forget his name. Um, but, uh... The thing that I was going to say is Hufflepuff has the least number of dark wizards that have ever come from the house. So my kind-heartedness uh, is uh, appropriately placing me in the house of Hufflepuff, which is good. Um, you can always go to Gryffindor if you choose. If you ask the sorting hat, can I please go to Gryffindor? You can go there if you want to. All right, you guys bored yet on my... Harry Potter conversation. There's a school there next to the graveyard, and it's got four wings, and it's like got a mixture of public schools and private school students, or different uh, social stratification. You know, the rich kids and the like, the the poorer kids go there. This is a real school, and that school gave J.K. Rowling a lot of inspiration for writing uh, Harry Potter, um, and it was it was awesome. Very cool stuff. Anyway, we're about 30 minutes in right now. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee. Oh, man. Oh, by golly. All right. You guys been working out lately? I, uh... I stopped working out when um, uh, when I found out that I was not going on the Bachelorette TV show. I was starting to get in shape over the last few months, for, you know, just in case I had to take my shirt off on national TV. Wanted to make sure that my pecs were in check. Um, but, you know, I found out about a month ago that I will not be going on the Bachelorette TV show. show. So since then, I've let my pecs... Turn it the checks, Max. No, they they don't uh, they don't look very sexy at the moment. They're not as taut 
as uh, as they were in the previous month. So I'm going to try to get back. You know, if summer's coming, springtime's coming, maybe I'll go to Panama City for spring break this year. You know, 31 years old, living a dream by myself. You know, just go creep on these college girls. Hey, you guys want a shot or what? Uh, since all my friends are married, you know, and uh, maybe my maybe my current Sam, Brian Kelly, will be down to go to Panama City with me since, uh, you know, there's no lady in his life right now. We can go uh, creep on these college gals. All right. Kidding. Um, I did work out yesterday for the first time in a while. I'm a little sore. I hope you guys are staying in shape. It's healthy. You know, eat healthy, sleep healthy, eat and work out healthy. You know, it all ties together. But uh, I am a little sore. You can tell I'm getting older because um, I barely did anything and I'm sore. I literally, I was on the treadmill for like 20 minutes, got my heart rate up, did a couple push-ups, a couple movements for my lower back and some ab stuff, and I can barely walk today. It's, it's, it's heinous. Um, you know, I slept in a sleeping bag last night on my floor because I was too lazy to shower before going to bed and I didn't want to get my sheets dirty. And I was too late. Actually, I didn't even have sheets on my bed because I did laundry yesterday and I was like, ah, I don't want to, you know, lay in a bed with no sheets and I'm too lazy to put on sheets. So I'm just going to sleep on the floor in my sleeping bag, which, you know, I, I heard it's good for your back to sleep on a hardwood floor every once in a while, but I feel horrendous today. Maybe that's why I'm sore too. I don't know. It was a weird night of sleep. Uh, there's a nice sleeping bag. The sleeping bag was from my friend Hamza, the, the rich guy who, uh, Oh shit, I shouldn't have said his name. Anyway, whatever. I didn't say his last name, it's fine. The rich guy that left uh <laughs> that left me here. Uh all all that stuff when he when he moved away. Uh he left me a really nice sleeping bag, which I was able to utilize last night. Um anyway, uh I'm thinking about maybe uh maybe uh writing a one man show, guys, and having a squat rack on stage. I think a one man show like Mike Tyson would be pretty cool, you know, get a PowerPoint presentation going, you know, rent out a theater somewhere off Broadway and do like a a one time one man show, get it filmed, I don't know, submit it to Netflix, who knows. Um, but uh get a squat rack, do some squats on stage, you know, show them how it's done. I think that'd be pretty fun. I think you guys would get a kick out of it. Uh my squat recovery time has gotten much slower as I get older. My recovery time for everything. I have two beers now and I'm and the next day is useless if I have a, two brewskis. When I go on dates, I don't I don't even try to drink alcohol anymore. You know, most people wanna, you know, get a little tipsy on a date. I'm like, hey, you mind if I take you out for a tea? Okay, <laughs> care if we meet for tea? Uh you know, maybe come over and let me do some comedy for you afterwards. Uh, you know. Uh Feed two birds with one seed. <laughs> um, thinking about uh, you know trying out a little bit of celibacy, guys. How do you feel about that? Too many girls in my life uh, these days. Uh, doesn't really do anything for me anymore. You know, I've experienced so much that uh, I'm thinking about maybe celibacy might be a, a thing to give a shot to. Who knows? You know, uh, it'll help my recovery time in that way as well. I don't know. Uh, celibate? I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just firing out thoughts like diarrhea. Comedic, comedic thoughts. Comedic diarrhea. Uh, I did, uh, spend yesterday afternoon with a lady. That was fun. Uh, yesterday was raining. Um, oh, so yeah, the girl from Valentine's Day, right? Um, so yeah, that was her. We, we hung out for a second time yesterday. Remember I told you how we had the least climactic ending to our date where we had that kiss on the side of the mouth 
uh, yeah, she, uh, she and I, uh, rotated the crops yesterday afternoon. She invited me back to her place, believe it or not. And, um, speaking of, well, I'll tell you guys later if you want, but, uh, the girl I hung out with out, hung out with on Wednesday night or Thursday night, she really wanted to hear episode three of my podcast. It's no longer on the air. So for those of you that remember, that was the episode with Violet. I told her the story, and she uh, she really wanted to hear that episode. So I, I played that for her, and she seemed to be very tickled by that, very intrigued and interested, uh, very captivated. Uh, anyway, yesterday afternoon, it was a, I'm going to set the setting here. It reminded me of, I don't know, this is so unique, but it reminded me of, like, I don't like, Europe in the in the 1700s, like a cold, dreary day. I went to Midtown. It's like 33rd Street and Second Half. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, it was like a, one of those older buildings. Uh, it was kind of a foggy, more of an overcast, even rainy day. You know, the building like doesn't have fresh, you know, uh, amenities. You know, I go upstairs. It's a walk up. Um, and, uh, you know, I could hear her, what do they call it, a radiator hissing or whatever? And, you know, that's her heating system is an old radiator or something. I thought it, she was cooking something. I was like, what are you cooking? She's like, oh, I'm not cooking anything. The place even smelled old. She had an old piano right there. You know, no electronics. I really felt like I was going back in time hanging out with this girl. Uh, it reminded me of the book The Woman in White. I can't remember if I ever told you guys about that, but that's the one book that... I've read. I don't know if you've ever been to a bookstore. I don't even read, really. I barely read. The Harry Potter stuff is all... I, I, watch, I read, like, the first couple books and just watch the movies because I'm too lazy. Uh, it's good for your brain, though. You should read more, guys. Included. I'm talking to myself. Anyway, The Woman in White is the only book that I've ever picked up, like, at a random mysterious bookshop that, like, spoke to me. And I was like, ooh, this looks interesting. I was intrigued by it. It had that dark mystery to it, but also the light. You know, The Woman in White... Uh, I read the first couple pages, and, uh, you know, some lady, he came across some lady wearing all white or all black, and uh, she put his hand, it was at night, you know, and, and she put her hand on his shoulder, and her hands were ice cold, and she was afraid, and she was like, so-and-so, do you know where they are? And then she disappeared on him. He wanted to help her, the main character, blah, blah, blah. All right. The Woman in White. I think I've talked about it before. The, the the not the plot but the setting reminded me of of this uh interaction yesterday um anyway we had a good time i don't need to go into the details right because you guys <laughs> i gotta leave you hanging uh but we did have some good conversations uh i told her that i was conceived on valentine's day which is actually a fact i doubt that voldemort was conceived on valentine's day i doubt that voldemort had love in his life growing up and that's sad that's not fair that's why i would wish him love with my wand um is because i think that that would help him uh it would help the rest of us if he just knew love a little bit you know all he knew was uh, how to manipulate people through fear and uh, acquire power you know it's like come on voldy come on let's go for a brewski bud eh? let's get a beer bro yeah um you know, yeah, my parents uh, got married on Valentine's Day, uh, and they made me later that night. Uh, I asked my dad, "Hey, Daddy, since you know, mommy, uh, since mommy was in pain when I was born, 
did it hurt you when you made me with her? And my dad laughed and he said, no, it actually felt really good. And I, I was always wondering why he was laughing. You know, it's like, is there some kind of a joke here that I'm not aware of? Uh, I'm still wondering, you know? I, I don't know about the birds and the bees. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so what I'm trying to say is uh, my parents created Cupid. Uh, can you guys imagine if Cupid fought Voldemort? What do you, what do you think would happen? Um, anyway, um, I told her, I told my, my lady friend, my Valentine's date, uh, about this, and she was intrigued. Uh, we had some good laughs. We talked about, we actually talked about, uh, what love is, right? Um, yeah, I, t I told her about my history with love, and, um, you know how I define it, and I think she wanted to start crying. <laughs> I'm not making light of it. I think it was it was really uh, really kind of cool. Um, I after I, I asked her, you know, like uh, I asked her a couple questions. You know, do you believe in love? Uh, and uh, she seemed to she seemed to appreciate that, you know. And it's not like when I asked her that, it's not like, hey, let's fall in love. It was like, hey, let's talk about love. You know what I mean? There's a difference. Uh, it wasn't like dishonest foreshadowing. It was, if you want love, I want you to find that someday, right? Um, and then I, uh... All right, do you guys mind if I get real deep on you and not preachy, but just deep? You know, we, we talked about uh, what love is and not, not from a, a self-righteous religious perspective where I was like, hey, I'm, I'm Catholic and this is the way you look at it. I'm... I don't consider myself Catholic. Uh, my mom was raised Catholic, but I consider myself uh, not just a student of love and an apprentice of love, but a, in some ways, a master. No, I, uh, I'm working toward that, mastering it. Um, I think mastery of, of love. I want to master love the way Voldemort mastered fear, right? Um, and I think uh, I'm doing all right. Part of it is having to let go, right? That's a big part of love. If you ever seen the movie Bruce Almighty, um, Morgan Freeman tells him that uh, you can't mess with free will. Um, you can't make something love you. You can only give it. So that's uh, that's a that's a lesson for all my listeners. You can't force. You can't make somebody else love you, but you can you can give it. You can give it unconditionally, and um, I think the part of not expecting anything in return is a big part of, of what that is, right? Um, that's Cupid's lessons for you today, guys. Um, and then I read, I read her my favorite Bible verse from, um, about love. It, it defines it. Um, not because again, I was trying to preach to her, but, um, we, we enjoyed the conversation and, um, I, I just asked her if she'd ever heard uh, that definition of it, and, and I think she she really liked it. Actually, I, I recited it. I tried to recite it because I didn't I didn't read it to her. I tried to recite it, um, and I didn't get it word for word. I had to look it up later and send it to her, um, which I thought was pretty pretty cool. In fact, if you guys want me to read it to you, I will read you the definition of love. Do you guys want to hear it? Alright guys, I'm just going to read it. I'm not even going to tell you where it's from. I'm just going to read it. It's love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 
It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So, um... What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Yeah. Um, first time I heard that, it was, uh, it was at a wedding and I started crying. Um, because I knew what love was, but I hadn't heard it articulated in that way. And I'm not gonna lie, I, I, for the first time I didn't get a boner, guys. I did not get a boner because it was so awesome, right? I, I, I started crying and, um, it makes you think, you know, it makes you think like, uh, who do you want to marry? Who do you want to marry, right? Um, yeah, it's deep stuff, guys. Is anybody horny or is everybody just uh, flaccid right now hearing that statement and how awesome it is? Um, dogs are a great definition of love. If anyone's ever had a dog, they're, they unconditionally love. Um, and uh, my dog, Joey, uh, did a great job of defining love. I miss her. Uh, Joey, if you're listening to this podcast, I love you. Uh, I miss you kiss right there on the on the forehead crease that you had that I always liked to kiss. Um, another thing about love, guys, is it's not an accomplishment. Uh, it's a gift. So I have this as my heading on Facebook. Uh, you know, love is a, is a gift and not an accomplishment. You can't earn it, right? Um, and don't let guilt or fear prevent you from accepting it. Uh, what this means is... Um, Again, you can't ever make someone love you. You can only give it. Um, and by doing that, you're not going to earn love in return. It's not like you automatically get love given back to you. Um, if it happens, it's done out of free will. Um, you know. So I think we all need to remember that um, you can't mess with free will. Love is a gift. It's not an accomplishment. The things that are accomplishments are things like earning money and uh, getting a nice car. Um, you can earn, you can accomplish that. You can accomplish sometimes, sadly, right? Sadly, some guys out there accomplish getting laid, right? That's an accomplishment because you're like, depending on how you do it, um, which I disagree with this philosophy, but it does exist and we need to acknowledge it, is that some guys will manipulate in order to get in girls' pants. Um, and they'll accomplish getting laid um, through either throwing money at someone if they are receptive to that or, um, you know, have status. Uh, Pharrell, in that rap song, um, you know, where, he's where I broke it down a couple of weeks ago, that's accomplishing getting laid. Um, but no matter what Pharrell does, he cannot earn love. Um, he can only give it. So, Pharrell, I hope you're giving a lot of love. And I hope and I wish for you with my Voldemort wand that if love is something that you want, that it is gifted to you, my friend. Um, yo, I'm a nice dude with some nice dreams. See these ice cubes? See these ice creams? Eligible bachelor. Million dollar boat. That's wider than what's... All right. Um, so we talked a lot about love today. You guys seen the movie Bruce Almighty? I love that movie. Uh, Jim Carrey. I want to be... 
I want to create and write the movie Michael Almighty 3, or Bruce Almighty 3, Michael Almighty. I hope uh, I can convince Morgan Freeman to do the movie, the way Dave Chappelle convinced him to uh, do the opening for some of his new Netflix comedy specials. Uh, I think I'd be a pretty uh, good guy for the role. I'd also like to do Ace Ventura 3. Anybody want to see those movies? Um, yeah. I, uh, yeah, going back to episode three there with Violet, uh, I took episodes, like the first several episodes off the air, uh, I'll probably put them back on the air later, uh, after I'm famous for all the viewers, but right now I think it'd be disrespectful for me to have those things out there, um, uh, for reasons that I won't go into right now, but, um, yeah, just know that, uh, someday... Maybe I'll treat you to episode three again. Um, A.K.A. number three. A.K.A. my high school football number. A.K.A. the number that was given to me by Darnell Terrell. Are you guys familiar with DT? Uh, Mizzou football player. He uh, he was a scholarship athlete. Uh, Almost made it to the NFL, but I I don't think his heart was in the game anymore. I don't think it was a matter of his inability to do so. I just think he he had run his football course. Um, But he was a... A big brother to me at Mizzou. Um, he was a uh, one of the defensive uh, guys. It was really cool having two guys from Eureka go against each other. The walk-on versus the scholarship athlete. He was a cornerback, so we'd go together and practice all the time. And he never took it easy on me. But if I did catch a pass on him, I would hear him whispering in my ear, "Keep it up, old Joy. You're doing good." So you know, DT was uh, was a fan, and I'm a fan of him. I used to hold his blocks. That's a metaphor. That's an actual term in the. Uh, tr- in the world of track where uh, you know he was a great 200 meter sprinter in fact one of the fastest um, I think he has a school record and one of the fastest in the state or history of Missouri I think he ran a 21 was it a 21-1 DT I don't remember uh, at state against Amani Butler from Parkway North uh, that's a school where Aaron O'Neill went AO number 25 God bless um but Amani Butler was one of the fastest dudes in, in our state history, and uh, I watched DT compete with him. Uh, and I held his blocks. DT used to always think it was a good luck charm if I would hold the blocks in place, you know, because they don't have those Olympic-style blocks. They're, like, dug in. Um, so someone has to be there. So when he powers out of the blocks, um, you know, that they're secure. And I guess that was his uh, his good luck charm. Yeah, I looked up to DT. You know, he was a couple years older than me. He was a star football player at our school, and he, he wanted me to wear his number after he was gone. So that's how number three um, came about. And uh, number three is a, is a great number. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar. I'll talk about The Matrix later. But uh, I love I love The Matrix. Uh, Keanu Reeves and uh, the number three, Trinity, his, um, his companion. The girl that uh, Trinity falls in love with is the one, guys, right? Neo. All right. Uh, I really wanted to have my friend Scott Luthauser join us today. He's um, he's one of my friends. Uh, we played football together for for several years. He's the head, or he's one of the football coaches at Fox um, in Missouri. Uh, he's a PE coach. We're going to talk about. He'll live in a healthy lifestyle and football memories and, uh, you know, the team that he coaches and whatnot. But we'll do that another time. Um, I uh, Speaking of staying in shape, uh, 
I've kind of let my Wing Chun practices a little bit go to the wayside lately, but I, I'm not giving up on it. I'm not giving up on uh, mastering that or becoming better and more functionally a sound self-defense artist uh, through the art of Wing Chun. Uh, I did see my Sifu earlier this week. It was great to see him. Happy birthday. He knows who he is. I don't want to embarrass him by saying his name on the podcast, um, but I am too out of shape at the moment to to do uh, those lessons. I need to get back in shape so that I don't get destroyed for a week because I'm too sore. Guys, life is a process, right? You got to keep on laying those bricks, baby, is what I'm trying to say. So I got to get back on the bandwagon there. In the meantime, I may or may not have brushed up on my nunchucks right before this, my, my Michelangelo nunchuka. Um, for those of you that don't believe me, here we go. Michelangelo in the house, baby. Um... But yeah, speaking of uh, vigilante status, you guys uh, seen Black Panther yet? What a freaking flick, huh? Um, it was awesome. I loved it, you know. Um, I thought that everything about it was cool. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge superhero fan. Um, and I not only did I think it was cool to see... Uh, I, I don't know a ton about the Black Panther. I think I remember seeing him in uh, Captain America: Civil War, or, or one of those uh, one of those movies where he kind of made it a, an appearance where his dad had died in that explosion at, at one of the buildings. I think it was, was was it the UN or what the heaven was it? I don't remember, but I remember Black Panther kind of they they introduced his character to us at least once already. I don't read the comics because, again, I'm lazy and I don't read, but I, I like the, the movie stuff. And I thought that it was cool how they did the story about him, the background, the entire thing, the way they did the villain. It wasn't your typical villain. Um, you know, the villain played by Michael Jordan, not Michael Jordan, the basketball player, who we celebrated his birthday last week, but Michael B. Jordan, whose birthday was also in February recently. It was actually February 8th, believe it or not. But Michael B. Jordan played the, the villain. He did an awesome job. Um, I loved the uh, <clears throat> the Black Panther's sister. I thought she was really freaking boss. You know, all the stuff that she had done uh, with that special element and what she had created. Super smart. Just boss status. I mean, you can't help but like her character. Um, the outfit that she created, those shoes, oh man, those Black Panther shoes are so, I'm jealous. I want those, you know, I freaking want, I want those Black Panther shoes, yo. Let me get those shoes, son. Let me get some of those shoes, son. Uh, they're silent. What happens is you put them on and there's, they make no noise when your feet hits the floor. I mean, Bruce Wayne, be jealous of those shoes, son. Ooh, those things are fresh. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the movie really gets deep. It talks about the origin of humanity. It makes you think about some of the different things, you know, like uh, the concept of colonialization and, you know, expanding your empire and conquering nations or lands of people that, you know, aren't, it's not their will for it to be conquered. Um, and all the way through the concept of building an empire through slavery, right? That movie really sheds light on that. And Michael B. Jordan's character makes makes us all think about it. Um, and in a way, I think his character was created through 
that colonization mentality um, and what he became a product of, right? And he wanted to, you know, give it back to them, right? Give it back to the people that, you know, through it. It, it was, it was deep, but it makes you think. And um, I really, uh, I really like the story. I think everybody should see the, the Black Panther. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll make us all get, uh, introspective and reflective. Um, but anyway, um, hope you guys are having a good time. I'm going to, and not too long from now, I'll talk about a couple more things. I wanted to say that humor is disarming, right? Uh, sometimes when I'm practicing my Wing Chun, uh, the people in class, their guard gets, uh, thrown down when I throw humor at them. Humor is a weapon, guys. Humor is a, is a weapon. If you can make the dude you're fighting laugh, maybe you don't have to necessarily settle it with a, a fisticuffs. Um, anyway, I took a, a couple notes uh, on last week podcast notes that I didn't get to get to all of it, but uh, I was talking to my friend Jimmy Bariolis on the phone, actually today, but last week after I had recorded my podcast and I took notes because we had a couple of funny thoughts Oh, first thing I wrote down, fanjoy.com. I guess that's a website where I can put merchandise out there, which I need to do. Not for my own profit margin, but for you guys. No, I don't know. Um, I do want to have merchandise out there, though, just even if I'm getting 0% profit. Or maybe I'm actually paying for you guys. Who knows how much goes into it, right? Perhaps, you know, perhaps if I don't charge enough, I'm actually paying for, for more than... Uh, I get back. You never know how stuff works out, guys. But nevertheless, I do want to get some merch out to you. All right, here's the stuff that I talked to about Jimmy. Uh, we talked about the porn star wish list on Amazon. I don't know if you guys know this, but if you ever like follow some of your favorite porn stars, they'll oftentimes have like an Amazon wish list. I'm thinking about doing that. You know, I uh, actually I already have one. All my friends when they get married, they have a, a wedding a wedding registry wish list. Um, I have my Michael Oldroyd comedy wish list. So for anybody that uh, you know wants to, uh, you know, buy me some random stuff, feel free to check out my Amazon wish list. Uh, maybe I can somehow partner with uh, one of the porn stars and be like, hey, mention my name, you know, mention, or maybe you don't even mention my name. Just put some of my stuff on your wish list, and when someone else buys it for you, can you, can you just give it to me? Thanks, appreciate that, porn star. <laughs> Got to meet a couple porn stars first. In fact, I know I, I've met some before. I've told you guys about that. I don't need to go and do it again. Um, we're not close enough for me to make that type of request, so I'd feel I'd feel bad asking for that at this point. You know, we're not tight like that. Um, Stormy Daniels, can I get on that porn star wish list? No, I don't. I don't know. Somebody mentioned that name, that's why I threw it down. I don't even know who she is. I better check her out though, right? Her name is written down for a reason. I don't know. Anyway, podcast. Um, we talked about, uh, I was telling my buddy Jimmy how, you know, everyone's so busy now as you get older that we, we rarely have time to, to catch up anymore. For any of my friends that do listen to this podcast, you know, it's probably, because, it's like maybe on your way to work or when you're taking a dump or something like that where, you know, it fits into your life. You got your stuff going on. Um, and it's like, Jimmy, I know you're you're too busy to have a conversation with me most of the time, so just catch up on my life by listening to my podcast because we're really going to talk about the same stuff when I'm talking about me. Obviously, we'll be talking about you. It's a two-way thing, so 
you'll be catching me up on your life and there'll be a couple minutes of bullshitting or whatever but a lot of the content of our conversations when we catch up will actually just be what's already in the podcast so anytime you just want to know what's going on in my life just listen to my weekly podcast bro um and that's true true statement you feel um yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of what, as people become more and more of celebrities, that's kind of how they're treated anyway, right? <laughs> like, that's that's how you get uh, a piece of uh, um, the celebs is by following them. You know, like, what about that, that girl from The Bachelorette TV show? You know, like, I don't really want to hear what she has to say, uh, Corinne, but I can't help it. Like, I almost downloaded and subscribed to her podcast because I'm intrigued. I watched her on Instagram or Snapchat, like, do an entire story of cooking something that I don't care to know how to eat, and it didn't, like, do anything for enriching my life, but it was intriguing and interesting. Like, it didn't make me learn how to do a recipe of something I wanted to cook. There was nothing I got out of it that was, like, providing um, some sort of, like, uh, utility skill in my life. It was just purely... I guess that's what entertainment oftentimes is, right? It doesn't give you... Um, like a skill to walk away with or create like some sort of tangible value but I guess when you sit there and you're entertained then that's that's enough sometimes that's that's what the entertainment business provides um, I was telling my buddy Jimmy that converse you know the people that you keep in touch with like me and Jimmy you know he's one of my best friends we have these ongoing conversations and it's it's kind of like doing laundry, right? Um, you can't go too long without talking. And the longer you go without talking, the longer the catch-up period of time is going to be to do it justice. So it's kind of like my podcasts. Like, if you haven't listened in a while, you're going to have a big queue waiting for you. And it's maybe too much to digest at once. So if you kind of do it regularly, a.k.a. keep in touch with me regularly, or keep in touch with your friends regularly, then you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, missing out on the opportunity you don't have to worry about taking too much time to do it and there's there should be like a lighting system like if you haven't talked in a while there's a red light there it means you got a lot of content to get through it's going to take you a, while. a lot of laundry to do it's going to be a, a terrible saturday where you're going to spend the entire day doing laundry yellow means you know you're somewhat good green means you're good you know we catch up frequently you're good to go um, it's good to stay in that green area, Jimmy Barriola. Stay in that green area with me. It means that we're talking frequently, and we're uh, we don't have a ton of shit and content to to you know get through. Um, anyway, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, travel, Keanu Reeves, Michael Jordan, and then we can get the heaven out of here. Um, Uh, as far as travel in 2018, you guys got some exciting trips planned. I don't have much. I'm trying to stay in New York and really focus on getting further infiltrating the com comedy scene out here, um, supporting the comedy network here. Um, but I do have a couple of trips. I'm going to California at the beginning of March um, for a family wedding. I'm excited about that, Southern California. Maybe I'll stop by uh, Phoenix, Arizona, see my sis. Right? See my sister. I call her sister. Um, I'm 31 years old and I still call her sister, but I, that's what I feel comfortable with. She's awesome. I gotta go see her. Uh, I haven't seen her uh, in a little bit. So um, I'm excited about potentially getting to do that at the beginning of March. Maybe I'll go see my brother in Colorado. I don't know. 
Um, but I think that you know try to try to intertwine a little bit of comedy with those trips if I can get some bookings. Um, I'm going to Japan in May, uh, which is exciting. They're actually having the uh, the Olympics there in 2020, the Summer Olympics. Hey, if I was still an athlete, maybe uh, you know I could be competing for the you know the Olympics there. I was never fast enough. I never made it that far, but this guy's the limit, guys. I don't know. Who knows, right? Anyway, I'm not competing in the Olympics, and I did not run fast enough. Uh, to make it there. And nevertheless, though, the Summer Olympics in 2020. I'm excited about going to Japan. Uh, apparently, they have like Mario type things there where you can get in a Mario car or cart and drive around the city. They're like fast cars. You can dress up like Mario or Luigi or characters from, from Mario, which sounds kind of fun. Um, speaking of the Olympics, you know, I don't know what else I'm going to do in Japan. Maybe some stand-up comedy. I'm going there with friends, uh, some people that I that are all, not only friends, but some people that I've worked with in the past. Um, very excited to explore. Maybe get some comedy going. Uh, you know, speaking of the Olympics, I, I mentioned last week that I'd like to tell some stories from time to time of people who I've uh, had like like as teachers, especially in high school. There was a our psychology teacher when I was there. Um, I think I can say it. I'd rather not say his name. I'd rather just impersonate him. He was our psychology teacher. He was also uh, a coach at one point, right? So we called him Coach So-and-So. And, -so. and uh, very funny fellow. I remember uh, that we had a Nike commercial that he showed us about Just Do It, which intertwines with Jordan. Nike means victory. I think it's the Greek god of victory, if I'm not mistaken. Nike of Samothrace? I don't know. Uh, nevertheless, though, I, that commercial used to pump me up. He used to, he loved the way that commercial affected me. Um, and that was kind of my motto. You know, it's all about that moment, you know, getting that heartbeat ready to go uh, and compete, son. Uh, but he was, he was a character. He used to, he kissed me on the forehead once in class. I said something, he kind of made fun of me. He's like, I'm just kidding. I love you. And he walked up to me and kissed me on the forehead. Uh, very unique fellow. I remember one of the things about him is at the end of class, he'd say, uh, okay, if everybody could please, um, you know, stay in your seats, please. You know, that now that we've finished the lesson for the day, please, please just go ahead and stay in your seats until the bell rings. Thanks. And then he would go and sit down. And his like he'd be like at his computer, faced a different direction from the class, and we'd be like, okay. <laughs> so we would like sit there quietly until the bell rang, and then we'd all be dismissed for the last minute or two of class. I guess he had like some kind of an OCD uh, feeling over uh, people staying in seats until the bell rang. Talk about order and structure, huh? But funny fella. Hope he's doing well. Uh, very passionate about the sport that he loved, and uh, we shared that. Uh, Appreciation for that Nike commercial. Just do it. Speaking of inspiration, though, um, Keanu Reeves. I keep coming back to him. He's one of my favorite. Keanu Charles Reeves. Uh, I keep coming back to him. He's been uh, one of the commercials on the Super Bowl was Squarespace. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Squarespace, but I keep seeing Keanu Reeves in like Instagram advertisements saying, "Sign up for Squarespace before you die." And Keanu Reeves is such a... I like him so much that I actually... I'm thinking about doing this. That's how strong uh, his influence is over me. Um, I don't even need a website. In fact, go to michaeloldroid.com 
before I rein my buddy Sean Stratton with Think Moon House, I think it is. Um, he's done my website. He's done a terrific job, and he's getting ready to put a new one up for me and make me look cool. Um, so I don't really need a website, but Squarespace is where you can create your own website. He's like, put your dreams on Squarespace before you die. So I'll make another Squarespace website. I think it's free, uh, thanks to Keanu Reeves. Um, I think he's... He's an influential fella, you know. Um, I uh, when I write that Michelangelo sketch, actually, I already wrote the Michelangelo sketch where I'm gonna interview like in between two ferns type thing. Um, it's gonna be like a, a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure meets Between Two Ferns with Zach Galifianakis, where I'm sitting there interviewing Michelangelo. I live in the present day. Michelangelo, obviously, a great Renaissance painter, and I'm interviewing him. Um, and we're sitting there, you know, uh, doing it because of that apparatus that was in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, nevertheless, though, yeah, Keanu's awesome. I, I like The Matrix. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. It's literally one of my favorites. We talked about it earlier. I like to think of in life. So I, I saw somewhere that Keanu Reeves, I don't know if this is true, but he said that The Matrix is not a movie. It's a documentary. <laughs> Which, if that's true, that is freaking crazy, huh? Do you guys believe that? Do you think The Matrix is a documentary and not a movie? Um, I like to think that in life your dreams are uh, your true calling, um, where your heart and gut is, and perhaps that's that ties into the to the Matrix thing, right? Um, you know, if you could like live in a three-dimensional white space for a second, almost like as a form of meditation, like mentally you can get yourself into a three-dimensional white space. What is it that you would do, right? What would, what would you equip yourself with? What would you do to propel yourself forward? You know, if, if you had unlimited resources, you could do whatever you wanted, money was no longer a factor, what would your true calling be? What would you do in that 3D white space to equip yourself? Um, and I think that that's truly like what uh, one's calling is we don't it's not as easy as that uh or at least it doesn't seem as if it is but i don't know maybe close your eyes and think about what what would you truly do if you could do that i think there would be a fun phase where people would you know like do all kinds of silly stuff you know like you know i think we'd all do like fun stuff at first but like once the fun wore off and you know a little bit of time had passed what, what would you really do with that like I think that's kind of what one's calling might be. Um, so shout out to Keanu Reeves and uh, maybe try that white space uh, exercise and see where it takes you. See where your gut and your heart take you. Um, last thing I'll leave you with is I get this every once in a while spam email will kind of do you good. I don't know. Like there's this one spam email that I haven't like unsubscribed from. And I forget who it's from. It's like Sunni Bunali or something. I don't know. Anyway, she'll send these like funny quotes or whatever if it's a she. I don't know if it's a guy or a girl. But every once in a while, there, there'll be like inspirational stuff. And this last one she sent me today I saw is a picture of Michael Jordan dunking, right? And talks about in his book, The Champion's Mind, sports psychologist Dr. Jim... Aframau says that when it comes to the big occasions, great athletes don't overthink things and can still be within themselves, right? Common sense for any athlete who's ever been successful. I mean, that's kind of 
we know that, right? Um, but it's something to be reminded of, especially years after playing sports. Um, I like this because I'm, I'm document. I'm giving. I'm, I'm like doing a bibli- bibliography here, where uh, you know I give proper credit, which ties into what I was saying last week. When people state opinions, they need to back up the facts with data uh, or cite their sources. It's like a verified tweet. People shouldn't tweet their opinions unless they have verified facts that go along with those tweets where they separate the facts from the opinion. Nevertheless, that's what I'm doing right now is uh, I'm giving the credit to the proper person. Anyway, to go on, it says the automatic negative thoughts that often terrorize people don't control great athletes. Great athletes control their mind, whereas most people's mind controls them, right? Um, Which, again, I think is true. You have to learn how to train your mind to control your thoughts rather than the other way around. Uh, one of the posters in the Mizzou locker room where we used to get taped for our ankles was one of my favorite posters, and it had an effect on me. It was obstacles are those frightful things that we see when we take their eye off the goal, right? So when you take your eyes off the goal, you start to see obstacles, and you start to get nervous and scared. But if you never lose sight or focus on what your goal is, then those scary things, those obstacles and challenges start to disappear, right? And you have to be strong enough to not lose sight of that and, and keep on focusing and zoning in on the actual goal itself. Um, great sports people use thoughts when they want to, she says. Or as Zen would say, stillness is the master's throne and the unknown is the master's home. Think about that three-dimensional white space that I'm talking about right there, right? If you can meditate into a, a space of quiet stillness, and then build your arsenal from there. That's when you start to uh, propel forward and get and combat the matrix that surrounds us. <laughs> um, Aframau goes on to say that the gold medal mine is one that has mastered the seven seas. We're almost done here. It says these are seven seas um, that that kind of go into a gold medal mindset, right? Speaking of Olympics, clarity. So being able to remove all the trash from your mind, I think uh, meditation is, is, a, is a practice that can help you master how to bring clarity to your life. Uh, confidence, which is built. It's not faked. Cockiness is faked. Um, it can, swag can be an extension of confidence, uh, which is fine. But confidence, you don't require swag or cockiness to be confident. Confidence has to be built like a muscle. It comes from being successful after hard work you put in the hard work and you see the gains and then the confidence grows right so you have to feed that confidence just like anything else it's a living entity uh concentration the ability to focus in right we talked about the goal right that poster if you have the ability to concentrate and not lose focus on the goal it'll help you become more successful composure staying composed like nick Foles or even tom brady even though he lost in this last super Bull doesn't take away from his greatness. Um, they both, and many professionals, have the ability to stay uh, composed regardless of whether the things around them are moving up and down. Um, when I used to watch Chase Daniel play, um, he'd be in practice. The way he would play football, and he was uh, one of the runners up for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, Chase Daniel played at Mizzou. He's uh, he's still in the NFL right now. He's got a sweet job. He's the backup for the New Orleans Saints. He's making millions. He doesn't even have to play. He has a Super Bowl ring. He's the backup for Drew Brees. But 
Chase Daniel did have greatness uh, within him, and he, he, achieved that, he achieved that with the team in college. But one of the things that I found astounding is that no matter what the circumstance was, Chase was never phased. Successful or unsuccessful, he it didn't matter. If he threw a touchdown, he would react the same way as if he threw an interception. He didn't let the interceptions throw him off. I think so many people are thrown off when they have a little bit of when they experience a little bit of failure and then they and then they like get down on themselves like that's not acceptable blah 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 like and then like they build this rage inside their mind that further inhibits them and makes it even harder to be successful you just have to let it go as Chase Daniel would say just flush it down the toilet good or bad he was always in the moment he never let success failure or neutrality stop him from being in the moment and just focusing on this play that's right in front of him right now and if you could take that three-dimensional matrix thing and you could put whatever background you wanted. Like if Morpheus was there with him and he said, um, you know, crowd full of 70,000 people screaming, crowd full of 70,000 people booing. He could, like, imagine Chase being in that white space and, and Morpheus just creating different backdrops. Chase would play the same regardless. 2.2 million people watching you right now on TV. This is national TV. There's 70,000 people in the crowd. And the circumstance is that if you don't throw uh, a completion and get a fourth down, uh, get a first down on this fourth down right here, the game is over and the season's over. Chase would play the same under those circumstances no matter what. And it takes great mental fortitude and practice, concentration, and focus that you have to build up to to be able to separate those things uh, and create zen in that moment, I guess you could say. But that's that's really what I saw that I took away that I thought was amazing. Um, consistency. Consistency, com consistency comes from practice and being, um, you know, doing things right time and time again winning is a habit like vince lombardi said commitment staying committed right i'm committed to comedy right like it's um you do it or you die trying type that's when you're committed in that way you will have no choice but to eventually become successful uh courage right having courage be being able to face your fears uh some people are afraid of actually having success uh, some people allow their fear of becoming successful stop them. Like I think it's most common to be afraid of failure, but once you achieve a little bit of success and you realize that it might be possible for you to be successful, people are afraid sometimes of achieving that success, right? Um, and they're afraid of what success might do. So fuck failure. Fuck that fear. Um, you got to have courage and, and own up to it. Rise to your calling. Become the one if you are the one, as as uh, Matrix or as uh, Neo would say from the Matrix. Um, finally, it says your life is made up of two dates and a dash. Make the most of the dash. That means between the moment that you are born and the moment you die, um, that's what your life is made up is that dash right there. So, um, yellow baby. Anyway, uh, you guys are awesome. Appreciate. Uh, you sticking around as always. Uh, I hope you have a great week. Um, I love you. From Michelangelo. Bye. Bye. You hang up first. No, you hang up first. Uh, I love you. Mm -hmm. You're the best. You hang up first. Eh? Ah, come on. Come on. On three. Right? On one, two, three.
You're still there. Oh my gosh. Like, why didn't you hang up? Uh, oh gosh. We're never going to hang up if we do it this way. All right. Let's try again on three. All right. One, <laughs> two, three. Are you still there? Ah, shucks. Ah, by the beard of Zeus. I could do this all. Guys, I love you. Honestly, um, that's fun. I, I think we've all done that before with a loved one. Uh, if you haven't had love yet, I, I wish that for you, especially if that's what you want. And uh, Voldemort, I wish love for you, even if you don't want it, right? Um, for two reasons. One, it'll be for the better betterment of us all. And two, I think you'll find that you really do like love. And you might start crying, and you'll thank me, Voldemort, when you realize what a beautiful thing it can be. All right. Peace. Peace? All right. Uh, I'm out. All right. I don't know. All right. Hey, Voldemort, let's go have a beer so that we can, uh, so I can stop you from destroying the world. All right, see you guys. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. By the way, am I the only one who's horny? <laughs>